Let's pray. How many of you, you need, you don't just want a sermon. You like, you need a message from the Lord. How many of you love a, 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 a message that will just feed your soul and encourage you? And so, Lord, we come to your word, and I thank you for what you revealed. And I know as Hector prayed, Lord, I feel like Jeremiah. So I can't get it out fast enough. I'm, I got to pace myself or I'll lose my voice or these people will think I've lost my mind. You, your word is amazing. You are calling us higher, further, greater. And in this hour, Lord, we are not going to be victimized. We are not defeated. We will not be distracted. We will not be divided. We are your people for such a time as this. And we will take our place on the front lines. We will be people of prayer, people of worship, people filled with your spirit, people who are filled with the prophetic edge. We will be an anointed people. We will break the yoke of the enemy. In Jesus' name, we ask that you would speak to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would help every person in this room perceive that which you are wanting them to perceive. May they hear you, see you, understand what you are saying to them. There's seven or 800 people in this room right now, and you can apply your word to every one of them and make it personal if they have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And so we have ears to hear. Speak, Lord, we are listening. Amen? Amen. So two more Sundays, this week and next week, and we'll finish up the Wait What Sermon series. Today I want to talk to you about greater things, greater things. Everybody say those two words, greater things. And I believe that God is, there are greater things available for us right now. And I believe that there is a simple pathway for us to get there, and that is when we embrace truth and the Spirit. Truth and the Spirit. Spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, everybody, you, you know this story. The woman at the well, she was all jacked up, relationally dysfunctional. I don't know if we've ever seen a person as just broken as this lady was. And the Bible said in the early part of that chapter, J Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. And he, he didn't have to. Jews didn't go through Samaria. And it was out of the way. It's like us saying, on our way to Nashville, we have to go through Knoxville. No, you don't. You don't have to go to Knoxville. Thank the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Delivered from Rocky Top and all that stuff. But um, that's what Jesus said. And, and then when you get, he, he has some conversation with her, pulls back the layers, a couple onions to see. Is she broken to the point where she's ready to be delivered. And he said, um, go get your husband because the water that I can give will quench your thirst and you'll never need another drink. And she goes, I want that. He says, go get, and y'all know the story. We've talked about it the last couple of weeks. And she said, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. You've had five. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. She said, and this is what people do. Soon as truth presses in, it even happens here. Every Sunday when the Holy Spirit moves in like right next to you, it's amazing how many people will get a text, have to go to the bathroom, or feel they start feeling ill. And, and that happened, and she, she, she went and got religious, and that's what happens. She said, um, I'll worship, you know, we worship differently, us Samaritans, we worship differently than y'all do. We, we worship on this mountain. Y'all say we ought to worship on that. Jesus said, that's, 
that's not the big deal. The big deal is when my father comes, it, it won't matter where you do it. It will matter how you do it. Verse 23 says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father. And here's the two terms we began talking about last week. They will worship in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship, say it with me, in spirit and truth. Now you go, um, what is spirit and truth? When he says we must worship in spirit, everybody listen. To worship in spirit is to be all in, spirit, soul, and body, mind, will, and emotions. You're not yawning, distracted. You're, you're all, all of you comes to worship him in spirit. It's not just your mind. It's not just physically. It's, it's all of you. You just come to worship. And I wonder how many people worship like that this morning. Sounds like a lot of people because restoration is a worshiping community. But if you didn't, I want to encourage you. That's how you worship. And to worship in truth, what does that mean? It means that we get honest before the Lord. We get real with ourselves. And we get honest with who he is in truth. We don't want to just bring our brokenness. We want to realize his power to heal our brokenness. And so we worship in spirit and in truth. And here, everybody hear me. That Jesus said, my father is seeking worshipers. Last fall in the sermon series, Setting the Table, if you were here, we talked, this was the theme of that whole series, to realize God, right now, he's seeking. He's looking for people who will worship in spirit and in truth. And Jesus was revealing to this lady, this is the secret for you to come out of all your brokenness. Just do that. And we know that there was, he touched her life. And, and something profound happened that day. And she went back to her village, and the Bible says she told the men there. She didn't have a good relationship with the men, and the other women in the community, they weren't down with her talking to their men. And she told the men about Jesus. What, a, what an incredible story that a broken woman, everybody knows her reputation. She's the one telling us about Jesus because something was revealed to her. Worshiping in spirit and in truth is the way out. Now, when we talk about that, you, you can hear that spirit and in truth. God's calling us to greater things. There's, the sermon title this morning is Greater Things. Everybody say those two words, greater things. There's, you may not believe that, but there is more in the Lord than what you are enjoying right now. How do you get there? In spirit and in truth. And you go, okay, I got it. No. This is why Paul the Apostle, he realized that getting spirit and in truth is not something that everybody just gets because they go to church and can understand logical presentations. Ephesians, he prayed. He said, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my person. And here's my prayer. I keep asking 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, and here we see the terms again, spirit and truth. He says, give you the spirit of wisdom. What is that? Truth, knowledge, and the spirit of revelation. And that's things that you can't get by deducing logic, reason. And Paul says, the reason I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Everybody listen. That's one thing. When I pray for Restoration Church, individually, families, and people, and collectively, I always pray, God, give every one of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The ability to have knowledge, Hosea 4, 6. My people die because they don't have knowledge. Not just to know things, but like to have intimate knowledge. John 8, 32, that Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's not just to understand. That's like to know. And the Bible says, Mary had never known a man. She was a virgin. And God wants us to know truth. To know the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. What's that about? There are things that they may be profound or they may be incredibly simple that a lot of mature believers never get. Like when Jesus, it was a turning point in his ministry with the disciples and he looked at all of them, he said, I mean, he had been with them a couple years, but he wanted to know, were they picking up what he was putting down? And he asked them, he said, who do people say I am? And they spoke up and they said, some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, or one of the prophets, Jeremiah. And that's special company. And then Jesus, he was afraid. They weren't getting it. And then he said to them, but who do you say I am? And of all the people, Simon Peter spoke up, always putting his foot in his mouth, but on this point, he was the courageous one. He said, you, he didn't say, I think, he said, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the, I believe you are the Christ, the son of the living God. We've heard that story many times, but to be there, that wasn't, wait, what? And Jesus said, flesh and blood hadn't revealed, and that, that's a fancy way, Bible way of saying, you didn't. Your Sunday school teacher didn't teach you that. My Father in heaven has revealed that to you. My prayer is this morning, are y'all out there? How many of you want everything that, that you, you're, how many of you would like knowledge and revelation beyond your IQ? Come on, somebody. That's what, that's what we need. That's spiritual maturity. Now, this is why Paul this whole thing was spirit and truth. I told you, you never see the term spirit in Scripture without somewhere nearby in the same verse or one close to it, the result of what the Spirit does brings truth, liberty, freedom. You never see the term truth without seeing Holy Spirit somewhere nearby, Old and New Testament. It's really remarkable, and we miss it, but we can't if we're going to go to a greater things kind of atmosphere and place. This is why Paul said to the Corinthians, and if you're new and you go, Corinthians, that's just the name of a, a book in the Bible? No, if you're new to Bible study, Corinth was a place like Roswell is. And Paul wrote a letter to the, the Christians in that community. And he addressed issues that were going on and things that he needed to teach them or correct. 
And he says this, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. Everybody look here. Paul is saying, I know there are men more articulate than me. There are men that are more pleasant to look at than me. I know that there are men who are smarter, more educated than I am, who have more experience than I do, and a better reputation. He said, so I'm not coming. And I say to you today, you've heard me say, I'm a pretty raw, unorthodox, try to be authentic man of God that leads spiritually. You could, you know, just around the corner, almost walking distance, you could find a better orator. And Paul says, I know what you're facing. You may, on the surface, look at me and go, that's not that impressive. And Paul would say, I would rather you think I'm unimpressive and experience the power of God than to walk away going, man, he was, he's sharp. He's winsome. That is... Wow, he knows a lot. Are y'all out there? And Paul said, I didn't come and I didn't trust my presentation. He says in verse four, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but the power of God. Listen, George Barner recently said that 23 million Americans since the year 2000 have walked away from the church in Christianity. They're atheists, agnostics, de-churched, anti-churched, mystics. Why has that happened? Because we've raised a generation with wise and persuasive words all over our country, we have people who their faith rests on their pastor's ability to write books or to give impressive speeches. 23 million. Paul says virtually the same thing to the Thessalonians, and that's another location, Thessalonica. If you're new to Bible this is a different group of Christians. And he says in verse one, uh, verse four and five of chapter one, we know, dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. For when we brought you the good news, good news, what would that be, spirit or truth? That would be truth, right? The gospel. When we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, truth, but also with power. Spirit, y'all out there. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. <laughs> I don't have time to unpack that, but oh God, let us approach your word like that. Like, I, I, I'm going to give you the truth, but the Holy Spirit is going to confirm it. Anybody know? I didn't talk about this in the first service. It's not in my notes, but the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Any of the old timers know what I'm talking about. It's like, I don't need somebody to tell me what's true and what's not true. I have an inner witness, an advocate, a counselor, a paraclete. 
He's called the Holy Spirit. Are y'all out there? How many of you are thankful for the inner witness? Amen. Now, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. This was the smartest, most well-known, wise, and persuasive speech giver in all of Jerusalem. And Nicodemus, why are you coming at me at night? Which is where we get the series, Nick at Night. Nicodemus comes and he says, what must I do to be born again? And he said, am I to enter my mother's womb? He's like, I, I, I don't get there's no revelation. I don't understand what you're saying. And, and Jesus takes him from this high-minded, prideful, logical, impressive brain, and he says, you must be born of the Spirit. And the Spirit is like the wind. We don't know where it came from, and we don't know where it's going. Those are the people that are the true sons and daughters of God. And when Jesus, everybody, oh, help me. When Jesus gives us that picture, we go, wow, to be a spiritually mature believer is kind of like a first century sailboat. The powerful presence of the blowing wind fills a sail and drives a boat towards its destination without that wind. A boat lacks all power, and rather than driving forward, it remains lifeless, stuck, and dead in the water. It is the steadiness, though, of a rudder, the sail and the rudder, that keeps a boat on course, driving by driving forward, moving a lifeless, inanimate object, a boat, with a sail up and a rudder, driving forward by that rudder, harnessing and focusing all the power of the wind for a purpose. And without a rudder, a boat has power without a rudder, but it veers off course until it is lost, eventually crashing into rocks and sinking. Hear me closely. Some churches are cell churches, and some Christians are Sell Christians only. They are open to and filled by the powerful presence of the wind of the Spirit. And those churches excel at things like prayer, worship, and exercise great power in spiritual warfare, driving the kingdom of God forward through the stormy seas of this demonic world. How many of you want to be a high-sell church? We got eight of us. How many of you want to? have a high sell church. How many want to have a high sell church with a steady rudder? That's even better. Amen. Some churches are rudder churches and some Christians are rudder Christians. Like a rudder, they are focused on staying on course and not getting blown off course by every wind of false teaching. They excel at such things as doctrine and theology, and they are constantly 24-7 engaging in deep Bible studies, seeking to follow God's directions obediently. But they're like this, a boat with a sail down. Sadly, cell churches and Christians 
And rudder churches and Christians often criticize one another rather than working together. The cells accuse the rudders of being dead, lifeless, unspiritual, small-minded, powerless, passionless. But the rudders accuse the cells of being too much like Pastor Chuck, too emotional, off course, too quick and willing to take a risk and be adventurous and get out on the wide, wild ocean. How about we have a church with a big, high, broad cell with a deep rudder where God says, that is what I'm talking about. And listen, where today I, wanna, I want to... These last two Sundays, we're going to invert our focus on, wait, what? We've seen all kinds of things in the world, crazy stuff happening that makes us go, wait, what? Crazy things. In the last couple of weeks in prayer, the Lord has been going, how about my perspective? If I could find a place to pour my spirit out, I'll make the world look at the church and say, wait. What? How many of you believe that's the God we serve? He is. Come on. He is a God of miracles and power. So here's the picture we got to catch. Second Peter chapter one. Before we, you pull that up, everybody listen. I, I could preach an hour, the verses leading up to verse 19, 20, and 21. But I'll just remind you. Remember, it opens up and it says, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He says we are partakers of the divine nature. Y'all hear what I'm saying. And then he gets down, he starts talking about how we got the Bible and the power of what the prophets said in the Old Testament. And I want you to catch this phrase. Verse 19, he says... We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. Thank God for that. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. That's what the, prophet, the, the prophecy does. It brings light and hope and life in dark places. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. This wasn't some person on Facebook building a following. This was a divine wind from heaven. And it says this, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God. Now catch this phrase. This is what I want to lodge in your spirit. As they were carried along. By the Holy Spirit. How many of you want to, that you want to be carried along by the Holy Spirit? Um, come on, if you just tell the Lord, that's what I want, Lord. Whether you're a new believer, young believer, old believer, single, married, young, God, we want to be carried along. Paul's saying, we got this. Not because those men came up with something to say. 
They were carried along. We talked last week about God, him exhaling, and this, this came. And we inhale. And then we go and speak, and situations are changed in our life. Now, when we talk about spirit and truth, I just want to revisit some things. We, at Restoration Church, we're a spirit-filled church, Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel. We believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today's church. And hear me, and we believe that today's church is to be the exact same quality and substance of the New Testament church. You hearing me? That church at Acts 17 verse 6 says, they turned the world upside down. Not really, they turned it right side up. And left their community 17 times astonished in awe at what God was doing through them. Acts chapter 2 verse 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders. Y'all see that? Could that be us? Let's dream a second. Could that be us? Everyone at the many signs and wonders. Acts 4.13. I'm trying to draw the picture and of the mirror for who we are to look in and be the Acts church. Acts 4.13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, two ordinary, unschooled, uneducated country bumpkins, when they saw them and their courage, they perceived they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished and they recognized the difference was those rednecks have been with Jesus. That's what it was. Now, so truth, doctrine, sound biblical doctrine, good life-giving teaching, rightly dividing the word, and Holy Spirit empowered. Not just smart Christians. But fire-impacted Holy Spirit world changers. Now, you go, Pastor Chuck, man, Pentecostal, charismatic. It stretches me. I know. And I I know this, this whole deal. Our men's deal on Thursday mornings, you know, we're talking about the blessed life and stewardship. And I know that's a, oh, seriously? Yeah, because this has been our whole experience in our faith. We're Christians. We're a rubber band, but don't make us do what rubber bands do. Ah! <laughs> and so pastors, I've said this. You, you should walk two weeks in my shoes. You should try to sleep on the Saturday night where you're going. God, you're going to have to give them revelation because this is, this is what pastors have done. God help us. Now, when we talk about spirit-filled, you, you've heard me say, but we don't do crazy. And there's a reason. Because some... There is a move in the body of Christ, especially post-COVID. There is a 
online church, Facebook, Instagram following where new prophets have popped up and not all of them are of the Lord. Some are, but there's some crazy, unaccountable, crazy. And what it, when you say, Pastor, we don't do crazy, what do you mean? We, we don't worship emotion. Hyper-emotion is not what we're after. We don't think that someone should operate in, the, in their cell up, shouldn't cause them to be a distraction. And they shouldn't draw attention to themselves. That's what crazy is. Hyper-charismatics. Some people call them charismaniacs. But that's not who we are. Are y'all out there? Now, charismania is like... Um, there's even this... It's all about experience. And my experience is truth. And that's just Christian mysticism. That's Christian New Age witchcraft. And, and people go, Pastor Chuck, loosen up. And, and you even hear people like, basically, stop using your brain so much. And that's not godly. And, you know, to become mindless, to become... And they'll go, let God out of the box. And you're like, this is the box. I, I, this is the box that we want to put God in. But let me tell you something. That box has a whole lot in it that the church isn't enjoying or experiencing. In fact, where we are to that box, we need to get like about right here. And you're like, uncomfortable, so am I. If this thing pops, it's going to give me a fat lip right now. <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about. Are y'all out there? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so we, we embrace the truth of God's word. But experience without sound doctrine, not good. Can I get a witness? Truth with no power encounters, no life-giving Life-transforming experiences, that's no good either. Can I get a witness? Somebody should give me a better witness on both of those things that I just said. Because So, four things I want to share with you, and we're going to close. Number one, everybody in here, you must have a growth mindset. Don't be a, I've got my theology all buttoned up, my 401k, I'm all set, I live in the suburbs, I've got two and a half children, three-car garage, and I'm set. And listen, that's what most, there, most of us in here are enjoying some version of that. And it causes us to have a fixed mindset. And God will never let you be all He wants you to be and you not continually be going through the stretch. You need a growth mindset. Come on, somebody. How many of you will say, okay, I want to continue growing, being filled with the Spirit. In R.T. Kendall's book, I told you last week, he'll be with us in March, Word and Spirit. On the back of it, he says, this book deals with these three things. Confront your traditions, allow your faith to be challenged or stretched, and prepare for what's ahead. 
Because your traditions aren't going to prepare you for what's ahead. And if you're not challenged, you're going to get comfortable, lukewarm, and you'll be like that lifeless, that, that boat in the harbor that has a sail all the way down. Are y'all out there? Now you go, Pastor Chuck, my traditions are good. Well, good. Celebrate them. But I'll bet you, you you've become too dependent on your traditions. Like, for instance, today, did you worship with, in spirit and in truth? Or were you going, I wonder how, much, how many more times Pastor Arbel is going to sing that song, Hell King Jesus. <laughs> Seriously. You know, because in spirit and with passion, worship, that lady, woman at the well, six men in her life, five divorces. She's got the divorce attorney on her speed dial. They know each other by first. It's you again. You've been good customer, good client. But she, she learned, somebody hear me. She learned to break out and break through because she worshiped. She learned how to do that. She learned that was the secret. Now in this room, you go, Pastor Chuck, I, I worshiped. Did you? How do you know that you brought it? Let me ask you a question. What'd you do in 1991 when Sid Bream slid across home plate? How many of you remember where you were? I had half the youth group over at my house. We ran out in the road, didn't we? Celebrating, waking people up, but they were all awake too. This crazy youth pastor didn't have a rudder. I thought it'd be an awesome idea. Let's load up and go down and meet the Braves when they fly into Hartsfield middle of the night from Pittsburgh. Remember that, Josh? Then half the youth group missed the school the next morning. And my biggest prayer request was don't let Pastor Munn fire me over this one. Remember that? What about yesterday afternoon when Brock Bowers took over in the second half of the Georgia game and you thought you were going to lose to little old measly Auburn? But Brock Bowers took off. How many of you worshiped at that level? This was yesterday. Where were you today? Now, I'm not talking about wild-eyed, crazy emotionalism. I'm talking about being genuinely thankful, grateful, lifting your hands, raising your voices to the Lord in worship. Because here's the deal. If, a ch if the church will get full of truth, full of passion, full of spirit. We're getting ready to see, brothers and sisters, this is a setup. This is an incredible opportunity for God to do something great in this hour. Will you bring your best? Secondly, you must deal with your passive posture. You... Listen, you can't say, well, I don't know about all that stuff, but if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. I've heard that kind of stuff. Imagine if you put that kind of strategy into all your relationships. If your wife wanted to have a good marriage, she'd love you. What if you did that with your business relationships as a parent, as a father, as a mother? Well, if it's somebody will do something passive, 
There's too much of that in the church. The woman at the well said, well, when the Messiah comes, he'll explain it all to us. And Jesus said, I'm here. Imagine. And what he's saying to you today is, I'm here. I've done everything I know to do. It's now up to you. And that's why he said, seek first the kingdom of God. And all the, his right, everything you need will be added unto you. He said, the, this, the religious, all truth people came and said, hey, what's the greatest commandment? They were trying to trick him. That if he gave one commandment prior over the others, he'd be guilty of demeaning the law of Moses. And without even thinking, he told them, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second one's just like it. Jeremiah tells us that you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And the inverse is true. You will seek me and not find me when you don't search with me, search for me with all of your heart. How many of you want to raise your level of passion? You want to raise your level of, you're not going to be passive. You're going to be passionate. Come on, somebody. Are you out there? Number three, I want to ask you, everybody in the room, please make this personal. Ask yourself, take a personal inventory. Am I a truth person or a spirit person? Am I a rudder or a cell? Sad truth is some of us here, we're neither. Can you remember the last time you read the Bible and it spoke to you? Do you remember the last time God revealed something to you? Too much of American Christianity is a rudderless, cell-less, wooden, floating piece of nothingness rotting away. Take inventory. Why? Because you're missing out on what God has for you. Greater things. Not because Pastor Chuck said, read the Bible, get full of the Spirit. Come to worship passionately. And if one more person sends me that silly meme, my pastor said I should be just as passionate on Sunday as I am at the football game on Saturday. And when I brought the thing of Gatorade and dumped it over him, he got mad at me. Bring it. Bring the Gatorade. Seriously. Don't tease me. Don't let me... Well, I'd do it, but Pastor Chuck would be mad. Do it! Where everybody goes, wait, what? What might God do if I'm sitting up here with sticky dried Gatorade on me? I don't know, but maybe revival will break. I'm not saying, do you understand what I'm saying? That's what I'm talking about. Break a tradition. Quit being passive. If this was the most boring thing I did every weekend, I would stop coming to this church. I would come as long as it did this. Because when it's doing this, I know God's doing this. Y'all out there, come on. I got to move on. 
Are you a truth person? Truth only? You need to know the Bible says, don't be that. That's living out of the tree of knowledge. That kills, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 8, 1. The letter of the law kills. There's no life in that. But the spirit of the law gives life. Spirit only? No, we're spirit and truth. Man, I'm getting revived. I'm get, I'm, I, something's breaking loose in the atmosphere. You can feel it. Are y'all out there, Lord? Send it on, Lord. Greater things. That's our inheritance. And then the last thing I want to say is we must commit to the box. Everything in it. Genesis to Revelation. If God says we can have it, then we need to want it. Are y'all out there? Quit being so a la carte in your walk with the Lord. Some of you come from traditions where the priest wouldn't let you read the Bible. Some of you come from backgrounds where mass was done in Latin. No wonder Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis to the door of the church at Wittenberg and started the Protestant revelation, uh, uh, the proud revelation. What's it called? Revolution. Restoration, that's right. (laughs) Something that starts with an R. But seriously, and we need a Protestant Reformation now where the, you, the spirit of the Bereans would come over you. In the book of Acts, the Bereans went home and they checked to make sure all those things Paul was tying together from the Old Testament. And they found it to be the truth. I wish there'd be people that, would, that you'd be in the Bible. I wish half this church would start being in the Bible more than me. I dare the youth group to become a youth group. Pastor Dylan, that you, you eat the Bible, you read the Bible. There's no telling what could happen if we start really reading the Bible, eating it, and inviting the Holy Spirit to come. There's nobody that can tell me what God might do if we do that. And so we commit to biblical Christianity, not low level. If he says that Jesus is going to be with the Father, but he's sending the Spirit. And in John 14, verse 12, he said, look what it says. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even, say it with me, greater things. Say it out loud. Say it, shout it. Greater things than the, greater things than Jesus? Because I'm going to the Father. Greater things. Praise your name, Jesus. Brothers and sisters, listen to me. You go, I'm a truth person, that spirit stuff. It was Matthew 25, verse 3, where Jesus tells us, and he talks the whole chapter in Matthew 24 about what? The end times. And the next chapter, there's no pause. There's just a break in the way Matthew numbered it. He tells the story about the foolish virgins. Verse 3, it says, when the foolish took their lamps, What's the lamp, the symbol of? The Bible, the Word. Lamp unto my feet, light for my path. But in the last day, the foolish people will be the people who know the Word, but don't have any anointing. No Holy Spirit, no oil. Are y'all out there? So it's, it's not optional. It's not a la carte. And Jesus said, I'm leaving 
Holy Spirit's coming. And because of that, you'll do greater things. You know, last week, um, I want to close. and We're, we're going to take a look at this quick little brief video in just a second. But everybody listen closely. God is speaking. There's something, there, there's a new atmosphere being released. An atmosphere of faith. An atmosphere of authentic passion. There's, a, there's an atmosphere of get off the sidelines, quit spectating. You're in the game. Y'all feel that? How many of you embrace it and say, that's it. That's what we want. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So last week I talked to you. God did this. We take that in. And then that, the very life of God is in us. So we pray and declare things. And I told you that I had just prayed over my refrigerator. And, um, and God healed it. And I know that that's a little bit silly. But I'm glad I didn't have to pay $250 for one more service visit from the dude that had come out multiple times and not fixed it. Think about that. A specialist, a trained repairman had been in our house multiple times. By the way, it's still running. I know what y'all are thinking. Is it still running? <laughs> it's still running. Pastor M Kyle Robinson told me this week, he said, Pastor Munn told him, I wish I had known Pastor Chuck could heal appliances before I took out my new home warranty. <laughs> he should have asked me. Right? But in preaching that, something went off in this room last week. Like, for instance, so I get this message Tuesday at 11.43. Hi, PC, I didn't have a number to send this to, so forgive me for the Instagram DM. I needed to share this out of amazement and gratitude from your sermon last week. I've been dealing with the worst knee pain I can describe in the last four months. Yesterday, I had a hockey game and was dreading going as it has been terrible this week. I was at home just in the most pain in some time, quite some time. I, I decided to sit, dive into prayer, and ask the Lord to work his miracle. Lay his healing hand on my left knee to resolve the pain. Keep in mind, I have seen doctors, chiropractors, etc. to try to resolve it. After your sermon Sunday, I decided to just ask God to handle it. And boy, did he. Pain instantly gone, full range of motion, played hockey great last night, even fell a couple times directly on that left knee. Still no pain right now, a day later. I am in tears typing this at the wonder of the Lord. Thank you, Father. I'm so thankful and so grateful we have found us. Come on, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Not only that, but two messages, two prodigals coming home. Last, it was Monday or Tuesday, one, one family, when their son was in his teen years, they had to ask him to leave. It got that bad. Leave the home. And now in his young Middle age years. Years later, miraculously, last Sunday, 
sends a long text. I'm coming home. I miss the Lord. I'm giving my life back to God. Everybody, hold on just a second. No coincidence. When these people, another one, a family with a child with great mental challenges that limits the whole family, sent me a message Monday. I don't have time to, to justify the legitimacy of these. Sends me a text. She said, Pastor Chuck, I can hardly believe what I'm seeing real time God do in the life of our child. This is, this is what we're talking about. Oh God, oh God, oh God, let us move beyond truth presentations. Let us go beyond, I like what he's saying. That pastor's winsome, he made sense this morning. That's exciting, let us go beyond that. Let revelation go off in here. Acts chapter three. Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, you will receive what? Power. Dunamis. We're going to have a new t-shirt coming out real soon. It's just going to say dunamis. So people are going to have to ask, what is dunamis? And you're going to have to say, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Making me effective to be a witness. We'll see how many people wear it. Y'all out there. I'm all up in your grill this morning. I want to mess your hair up, your beard up. I want to unbutton your top button. I want you to loosen up right now. <laughs> Hear me. Acts chapter 2, that power to be a witness fell. It literally did. And it wasn't weird. It was, we're here today because that happened. Acts chapter 3, there's a man been crippled since birth never walked read the first 11 verses not right now but what happened he had been this family that had their son is watching their son get healed that's you ever you any of your children ever had a need that it just creates a great inconvenience for the whole family satan loves to do that acts chapter 3 that man he was 40 years old now. And been, they carried him to the temple to beg for money every day of his life. Peter and John go in one chapter after they've, been, they've received dunamis power from on high. He's begging because he can't work. That's his welfare system. And they say, look, we don't have any silver or gold. We've been following Jesus around. We don't have any money. But what we have is better than money. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the Bible says, the man jumped to his feet. Then that man went into the temple where all the religious truthers, where all the rudders were sitting there. And they looked at him and the Bible says, the men ran to where the disciples were and they said, wait, what? Jesus had gone in and out of that temple at least three times every year. You can imagine Jesus going, now's the time. I'm doing my ministry. And the Bible said, Jesus, he said, I never do anything unless I hear the Father tell me to do it. I never do anything unless I see the Father already at work blessing it. This is Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus passing that crippled man and Jesus going, I'd like to help this guy. And God going, no, not yet. Six months later, the next festival, Jewish feast, he's still there. You can imagine Jesus going, 
I have compassion. Can you imagine the conversation? This isn't in the Bible. I don't know if it happened, but it had to happen something like this. God going, no, I'm saving him for Peter and John. <laughs> Y'all out there, what has God saved for you? I spent the last, couple, last few days out in Fort Worth. Church, you ought to follow Mercy Culture. Started by a young, fired-up youth pastor and his wife. Six months later, 3,500 people. It's not a seeker, cool, trendy church with well-resourced location. It's a bunch of young people who are hungry after God. Anybody heard of Mercy Culture? You're getting ready to. I, I just got acquainted with them a few months ago, and when I saw their having their church conference, I'm like, I have to go. I went all by myself. Didn't see a single person I knew. Thousands of people. I sat in the balcony. Couldn't believe my eyes. I told Candace, I was one of maybe 15 or 20 people, 50 years or older. Think about that. Spirit-filled church. Thousands. And to hear the stories of their worship team, what the greater things. Are y'all out there? They bring one of the members of the church, a little five-year-old boy. He couldn't walk. This disease had struck his legs in the last week. He had to miss school. Apparently, he was crippled again with it last year, and it had come back. And they, his parents carried him out. We prayed for him, and then they set him down to try and activate his faith. And you could see he wasn't comfortable. He couldn't even stand. And so they kind of gently drug him, dragged him across the stage hoping he would start walking. And you could see all 3,000 plus prayed and they get him off stage. And I, I wonder, he, he, I don't think he was healed. Then last night, the pastor, Landon Schott, comes back and he reports with this little video. Would you guys bring... Calvary's, would you just bring baby Shiloh up here? Calvary's are members of Mercy Culture, and uh, this is their beautiful boy, Shiloh. Uh, he's one of probably my little boy's best friend. And uh, Shiloh, we love you. Shiloh has uh, myositis, where there's an attack on his legs and muscles, and he hasn't been able to walk. And uh, it just it came on him a year ago and it's come back he hasn't been in school this week uh could you just lift your reach your hands towards baby shiloh right now and just pray church pray church So, Father, we ask you right now for your healing power to be on Shiloh. I pray his physical body would be a place where your glory dwells. Lord, I pray that this young man would be able to run in your presence, dance in your presence. And I pray the life of God, the power of God in his body and in this family.
<laughs> Would you just throw your hands? Where's the worship team? Just let's start church. Throw your hands up in the air. Can you just begin to thank God who heals? Can you just begin to thank him? I feel the Holy Spirit already in the room. Lift your hands as high as they go. Just thank God for answering your prayer. Many of you prayed. Many of you prayed for this young man, not only last night, this little boy, but also this morning and this afternoon. God put on Erica's heart, who got healed, her eye got healed, to go and pray for him in the hall. And he started running. So Jesus, right now, Shiloh, would you lift your hands to Jesus? Would you lift your hands to Jesus? So we just say, Jesus, you're the healer. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. Jesus, you're the healer. Jesus, you're the healer. Jesus, you're the healer. And we thank you. So I pray right now that you would release healing power all over this place. I pray that you would heal bodies, you would heal minds, you would heal hearts. I declare right now the healing power of Jesus to come and rest in this place. Father, I thank you. You're healing eyes. You're healing hearts. You're healing backs. You're healing organs. We say cancer, Come on, stand, everybody. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we praise you, Lord. God, give us a full revelation of who Jesus is, the full revelation of your spirit, the power of your spirit. You're the God who answers prayers. The Lord would just encourage somebody The Lord would just say to you, I know it's been hard. I know it's impossible in the natural, but I'm calling you to greater things. Everybody look here just a second. We have so underestimated, undersold the precious person of the Holy Spirit. We, we go to counseling. We are victims. So many Christians struggle for years with things that the Holy Spirit could fix in, in two days. We, we, we need people to carry us, and console us, and encourage us. My mentor, Jack Hayford, preached a sermon years ago. The Holy Spirit, colon, the great psychiatrist, Anybody come to know what I'm talking about? Like, he reminds you. He encourages you. He gives you life. He breathes. He's dunamis. This thing has to be charged regularly or it can't be an iPhone. 
But when it's charged, it can't be. You are made for dunamis. So you can be a high-sailing sailboat with a rudder that God can take you to places you can't imagine. And brothers and sisters, I got to tell you one other thing. I got to get off my chest. And I hope you'll understand what I'm saying. I've been here in Atlanta since 1989. Being out in Fort Worth the last few days, those are my people. What, what is that? That young 25, 31-year-old going, I just believe the Bible's true. I just believe God can do anything. And I come back here, and this is my calling. Y'all are my people. But the suburbs of North Atlanta can't make me from this into this. I refuse to be that. One of us is going to have to change. I can't dial back my passion. I can't dial back my desire for God's kingdom to come at Restoration Church. You got to step up. You got to go. No more passivity. I'm in the game. Listen, we got to... We got to start every Sunday. We got to sing, come alive in the name of Jesus, like we mean it. We've got to sing, this is a house of miracles. To where like the three things I reported on, the knee being healed, the two prodigals coming home. We, ought to, we need that and more every week. Every week. I'm sitting here looking at you, Tripp. You're... Your, your daughter was the one healed of leukemia that we talked about last week. May, there, may God give us a thousand of those. Maybe you're the one that gets healed of depression, oppression, in the name of Jesus. Maybe yours... How many of you just go, I, I'm, I'm elbowing me some room. I'm moving up to the table. Scoot over, big boy. Make room for me. In the name of Jesus. Your child's not too far gone. Your, your physical condition is not too far gone. In the name of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let faith arise. Let faith arise in this place. You know, I don't know how to close this service. We got to go. But I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a second to come and respond. I'm not going to ask the prayer team to come and pray. If you're here and you're going, I, I, I'm low on truth, I'm low on oil. I, I, I want what you're talking about. Maybe I got a lot, maybe you got a lot of truth, but you need some Holy Spirit. You need that cell lifted. I'm not going to play games. I want you to step out and meet me in the altar right now. And we're getting ready to sing about this being a house of miracles. Come on, if you're here, step out in the name of Jesus. Come on, step out in the name of Jesus. In the name Receive life. This is a house of miracles.
receive your vision. God, I believe your work. All things for good. I still believe your move. I still believe your speaking. God, I receive your vision. All things for good. Eyes on heaven. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Everything. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We praise your name, Jesus. Father, in this season, we commit to being the people of God, your people filled with your spirit, who love your word, who stand on the sure foundation. We'll be the people in Matthew chapter seven, you said, Lord, who heard your word and put your words into practice. And when the rains came and the floods came and the wind blew and the storm came, the house stood because it was built on the rock. Will we be your people, the people of your spirit, who look beyond what we see in the natural, who are not easily distracted or depressed, who rise up with a persistent spirit as the sons and daughters of God. Somebody needs to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, filled with the spirit, with overcoming faith in the name of Jesus. That you would say, I may be knocked down, but I am not knocked out in the name of Jesus. I'm still here. I'm still in the game. I'm believing God for my marriage, for my health, for my finances, for our church, for our nation. We're just crazy enough to believe, Father God. You are the God of Genesis to Revelation. We are crazy enough to take you at your word, filled with your spirit, out of our minds out of our minds and your mind in us praying for you to heal our land raise up churches signs and wonders miracles that glorify Jesus confirm your word encounters not just here 
But out there, Lord, use us for your glory. Give us wisdom to be as harmless as a dove and wise as a serpent. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Just lift your hands all over this room. Would you just say, oh God, pour out your anointing on me, on our church, on our worship team, on our staff. Holy Spirit, we treasure you. We long for you, Lord. Come on, somebody. We magnify you, Jesus. We magnify you, Jesus. We long for you, Lord. More of you, more of you, Lord. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, in every service, I wanna declare a new atmosphere, a new level of passionate, intense worship, a new level of faith in this room when we gather. When I said, I found my people out there, May God say it about us at restoration. I found my people at restoration who come ready, hungry, ready to worship, ready to pray, ready to sing, ready to serve in the name of Jesus. Would you just declare with me revival is coming. Revival is coming to America. Miracles, signs, wonders, healing, deliverance. We praise you, Jesus. Come on, praise the name of Jesus. Up in here, we love you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, May he lift his countenance up on you and give you peace. Keep you full of his spirit and faith in his word. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, everybody. Say, I receive it. Turn and tell somebody, greater things, my inheritance, greater things.